Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and in this episode we are going to be talking about the recent Bandai Run webcam tournament. This past weekend players from all over the world participated in official English language Digimon tournaments for the very first time. It was the official webcam tournament. It brought in players from all walks of life all over the place and today we are going to do a tournament report. We're going to talk about some of the successes and the failures of the tournament. How did it go for me personally at my event? Uh, Spoiler alert, I came out of the day disappointed but not really surprised and what are we able to learn from these events that happened this past weekend? But first, we have some announcements to cover. So next Friday, the 25th of December, is obviously a very, very important day. That's right. It's the release date for the last episode of Memory Gauge for the year. So after that, we're going to be taking a brief hiatus. But don't worry, we won't be gone for too long. We will be back on the 8th of January, 2021. So I hope that you'll join me in the new year. We've got a lot of plans for 2021. Some really cool things are going to happen. And I just, I really appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to making more content for you in the new year, 2021. So please join us 8th of January, 2021. We still have one more episode to go, but then after that, we will be taking that break. So with that announcement out of the way... We're going to launch right into our main topic. Before we start, I'd like to suggest that if you haven't already listened to it, please go back, listen to last week's episode, episode 9, before listening to this episode, because I'm going to be referring back to that episode a lot. That was our pre-tournament episode where we made some predictions, we talked about what we thought was going to happen, what decks we thought we would see, and I'm going to be referring back to that episode quite a lot because this is obviously the post-tournament episode. So I won't say that it's required listening, but this episode is definitely going to make a lot more sense and you're going to get a lot more out of it if you have the context of having listened to that previous episode. So if you haven't already, now's your chance. Pause this episode, go listen to episode 9, and then come back. Okay, so this past weekend, Bandai ran multiple concurrent webcam-based tournaments for different regions around the world. So there were, it wasn't just one big worldwide tournament, there were actually lots of tournaments for different regions around the world, and each region had its own sort of separate tournaments, and a lot of regions had different tournaments on different days as well. I know that my region, Oceania, had a Saturday and a Sunday event, so two different events. So it wasn't really a truly worldwide event in that people weren't playing against other people from all over the world, but it was international because the different regions did encompass a lot of countries. You got to play against people, not just from your own country, but from neighboring countries in your region. So that was pretty cool. It was a big international event, which is really, really awesome. And great that in this age of sort of the internet and webcams and stuff, we get to do that. We, I get to sit in my kitchen and play in a big international card game event. The fact that we can do that is just really, really cool. So the actual running of the tournament was sourced out to a couple of different companies. So depending on where you were playing, what day you were playing, there might have been a different group running your tournament. And that depends on which region you were in because there were lots of different groups responsible for running the events in different areas. The format of the tournament was a Swiss 
format. Now that means that the tournament had a fixed number of rounds of competition, meaning that they would set out a certain number of rounds at the start, which was different depending on your region and how many people were participating. The more people that were participating, the more rounds you tended to have. And there was no elimination, so everybody got to play in every round. Now in Swiss format, each round players are matched up with other players of similar skill levels, and that's determined by your current score over the course of the tournament. So depending on how you're going through the tournament, you might play against better players, you might play against players that are sort of not as good because you aren't doing as well. So you should be playing pretty even matches throughout the course of the day. The matches were best of three, so you would play three games, and then whoever won two of those games would be the winner and would obviously get a higher score. And then whoever didn't win two games, didn't win that best of three, would obviously be the loser, would get a lower score for that match. And that winner overall was the player who finished the day with the best score. So whoever got the most wins over the course of the day was the player who finished first. You got points for winning matches and points for winning games. So you just wanted to win as much as possible in order to get the best score. As I said, I played in the Oceania region and I played on the Sunday of the competition. There was a Saturday and there was a Sunday. I was only able to play on the Sunday. I wanted to play both days, but I didn't have the time. I could only make it to the Sunday. And even then I had to race home from an event to be able to get there on time. I was up at like five in the morning to get there on time. I did make it though. And if you played in the Oceania Oceania region on the Sunday and you played against a player named Connor, that was almost certainly me. You played against me. Congratulations, because you probably beat me or did very well against me, statistically. Now, I just want to talk about how the tournament ran in terms of, like, did it do very well? Um, From a player perspective, it seemed like the tournament ran fairly well, or at least... This is, I could only really speak to the one day in the one region that I played, but it seemed like it went very well. It was very clearly laid out at the start of the day what the expectations were, how to participate in the event, what you needed to do as a player. And I didn't notice many issues with running the tournament over Discord. So the tournament took place over Discord. Everybody joined a Discord channel specifically set up for the tournament. The different sort of Discord rooms were the tables, so you would be matched up with a player, you would go to the Discord room with that with the number that corresponded to your table, turn on your webcam, and then you would play with your setup against that player there. And there weren't really many problems. Some players did have connection problems that I saw, but really that's more to do with that particular player's internet connection. It wasn't didn't seem to be a Discord problem because overall the day ran really well. That seemed to be an individual problem, and that would have been a problem no matter what platform we were playing on because that was a local internet-based problem rather than a problem with Discord. There were a lot of judges who volunteered, I think, um, to sort of judge the event on the day and to help run the event, and they were very professional. They ran the day very well. It would have been a very, very high-pressure job, and the judges on the day carried it off beautifully. So I just want to give a shout-out. If you were judging on that day, if you were helping to run that event, a shout-out to you because the event ran beautifully. The players and the participants in the tournament also conducted themselves really well. The internet can act as a sort of echo chamber, and sometimes it can seem that our community is filled with really angry, argumentative people, because those are the people who tend to post and want to be heard and say a lot of stuff. So sometimes it can seem like 
Our community is very angry and argumentative, but every player I played against on the day, everyone I spoke to on the day was very courteous, very welcoming, and genuinely loved the Digimon card game. So it was really a fantastic showing for our community. It was a great reminder that the majority of people are decent and good, despite how it sometimes may seem. It was a really good advertisement for our community as a whole because everyone conducted themselves really, really well. So I wanted to give a shout out to all my opponents from that day. I played five matches, and each match was great fun. Each match had some really cool moments. There was no kind of low matches, no bad matches. Everyone conducted themselves really well. It was an absolute pleasure to play against all my opponents, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to them because they really helped to make the event just really, really awesome. With that in mind, I would like to talk briefly about each of the matches I played, all five, how they went, and I'd like to talk about what I learned from the particular games. Overall, I didn't really do as well as I had hoped, but this is the first big event that I participated in, and I'm choosing to take this as an opportunity to learn and evolve my game, to learn and evolve as a player. So firstly, the deck that I played. Now, the deck I played was a very slight variation on the red deck that I already posted on Twitter and Facebook a couple of weeks ago. This is the red deck that I took to my first local event, and I'm going to relink the deck list in the show notes so that those of you who are interested can take a look. I'll have the digimoncard.dev deck list. I'll post that in the show notes, so if you're interested in seeing the deck, you can take a look. It was a deck that I put together with my, as I've previously said, I was only able to access one booster box and one copy of each starter deck for the the pre-release, so I didn't have access to a very large card pool. It was, I think, the best red deck I could put together, or the best deck I could put together with the cards I had access to. It seemed like red was my strongest color, and this was, I think, the best version of the deck that I could build with the cards I had access to. I am going to take another look just to see if I can make any improvements. So it's not exactly like the best top-tier deck because the card pool was so limited, but it is still, I think, an interesting deck. I tried to make some interesting deck building choices there, and it hopefully will be worth a look, even if just as an example of what you don't want to do. So after the five matches that I played, at the end of the day, my results were two wins, two losses, and one draw. Now I came to a draw due to time out. Unfortunately, we weren't able to resolve our last game in that match with either a win or a loss, so we came to a draw overall. I finished 24th overall. There were 41 total participants, so I didn't quite finish in the top 50%. That was really, my aim was to finish in the top half of the um, rankings, So that was a bit of a disappointing result, to be honest. Um, As I said, I only had access to the contents of one booster box and one copy of each starter deck to build my deck, so the card pool was fairly limited. I did also get a couple of dead draws through the course of the day. Uh, When I say a dead draw, I mean I drew a hand where I didn't really have any good opening plays, I didn't have any rookies, so it was hard for me to get my engine rolling, but... To be perfectly honest, that wasn't why I performed as poorly as I did. If I have to be honest with myself, I misplayed pretty badly in a couple of my games. I think there were a couple of games that really I probably could have done better in and possibly even won, but I just kind of misplayed my deck. There was definitely an RNG element as well, but I'm choosing to focus on what I can improve because I can't get better at drawing good starting hands. I can't actually affect that. That's up to chance. 
but what I can do is improve the way that I play the game when I start with a weak hand, or I can get better at weighing the risks of attacking into security, or I can improve my decision making when it comes time to play my removal cards and I need to remove a threat, and I have several options to choose from. Those are areas that I can control, those are areas where I can better myself. So there's no sense, I feel, in just slamming my fist on the table and saying, ah, that was such bad luck. You'll never become a better player that way, so I'm choosing to really take an honest look at the things that I could improve and hopefully do better next time. Because I've seen a lot of people online who say things like, oh, I did really well on the day except for this game I lost where I drew a dead hand at the start and the other player got all their best stuff. And that stuff definitely has an effect on the outcome of a game, but putting all the blame just on bad luck doesn't improve you as a player. And you're going to quickly find yourself being outclassed over time by people who start as bad players who look at every loss as a chance to improve themselves. If I can paraphrase the late, great Sir Terry Pratchett, if you trust in yourself and believe in your cards and follow your star, you'll still get beaten by people who spent their time working hard and learning things and who weren't so lazy. So that's just my little PSA. I'm going to get down off the soapbox now and let's get to the matches. So in round one, the first deck that I played against was a yellow deck, and this deck had a focus on recovery effects to replenish security. It was really playing into that recovery aspect of yellow. So my strategy for this matchup was just to outpace the other deck's recovery. My deck can be very quick when it needs to be. Uh, Dark Tyrannomon was a particular MVP here. That's a vanilla level four that digivolves for just one memory and it has 6,000 DP, so quite often I could attack into security and then survive to attack again. So I was really just racing the recovery effects. Because the recovery effects in the yellow deck, or this specific yellow deck, were slower, and they often need to be played outright, so they would cost a lot of memory, so it wasn't too hard to sort of outpace the yellow deck, and even when it did get its recovery going, it would often leave me with enough memory to really sort of reply to that recovery and start whittling that security down again. So I won this match 2-0. to zero. I didn't lose a game there. So that was a really, really good start, but then unfortunately it started to go a bit downhill. Now my second match that I played was against another yellow deck, and at this point I want to say I was really surprised by the amount of yellow being played in the tournament, because before the tournament it kind of had a reputation as one of the weaker colours in 1.0 because people felt that it was missing some of its key uh, sort of cards from its strategy in 1.0. It was missing Shine Greymon, for example, which as we've seen in Japan is kind of the lead of the yellow strategy, but even without Shine Greymon on the day, yellow seemed to be able to compete. So this deck that I played against in round two was able to store me out a lot more effectively than the previous deck. As I said, we actually ran out of time for this game and the match ended in a draw, so this is my draw. Um, this yellow deck managed to get most of its blockers on the field, which stalled my game plan. I wasn't able to attack over the blockers effectively and it slowed me down enough that we ended in a one win, one loss, one draw. I was a bit disappointed that I wasn't able to get over the blockers for the win. I remember I was even thinking about putting Oblivion Bird into the deck, which is a five cost option that destroys an opponent's Digimon with blocker. And there were times that I really, really wished I had that in hand. I still think now I wouldn't put it in because the effects in my deck that boost the DP of my Digimon are usually enough to overpower blockers. But at the, that moment, I was definitely thinking, oh man, I really, really wish that I had put the Oblivion Bird in and I had it in hand to get rid of these blockers. So just a deck building consideration for me. 
And then in the third round, I played against probably the most interesting deck I played against on the day. This was a blue-green, what looked to be a rookie rush strategy that had, again, some yellow tech cards splashed in. I was really glad to play against a rookie rush strategy because rookie rush was definitely sort of the boogeyman deck going into the tournament. This was the deck that everyone was concerned about. This was the deck that everybody felt in the back of their minds they needed to have a plan to beat. Now this version of the deck that I played against played a lot of rookies and as they wanted to do they just really wanted to rush out and attack as much as possible. Didn't even bother too much with interaction. It just wanted to keep launching attacks. This particular version also played a number of level fours, um, including Gorillamon, which is sort of Blue's equivalent of Dark Tyrannomon. It's a vanilla level four, so no effects, but it has 6,000 DP and it costs just one to Digivolve. So this kind of helped this Rookie Rush deck offset the lack of card draw that the Rookie Rush deck usually has, because usually the Rookie Rush deck isn't Digivolving, so it isn't getting that card draw from Digivolution. This deck included some level 4s and was able to get some card draw from Digivolution, and it made it especially hard to deal with because you couldn't just count on it eventually running out of card advantage. So I lost this match 1-2. to two. I won one of the games, but unfortunately lost the other two. The card draw from the level 4s in this deck made it very difficult to sort of fight back against. I did have some success using the Memory Flood strategy that I outlined in last week's episode, um, which is giving the opponent quite a lot of memory, and then with the Rookie Rush strategy, in order to turn the turn over, because the turn doesn't become your opponent's until you push the memory gauge back over to their side, they would have to play out their hand in order to spend enough memory to switch the turnover, and then you would respond with a Volcanic Dramon because they would have played out the hand of rookies, the Volcanic Dramon comes down, that's the red level 6 with 10,000 DP, costs 3 to Digivolve, 11 to play, security attack plus 1, but mainly you play it for the on-play effect, which destroys all of your opponent's Digibon with 4,000 DP or less, so the Volcanic Dramon comes down, destroys all the rookies because they almost all have 4,000 DP or less, and then you leave your opponent with nothing on field, nothing in hand. They can't respond to you and you just sort of whittle them down from there. Volcanic Tremont is the anti-Rookie Rush card at the moment because there's, as I said, very few level 3s in the Rookie Rush deck that have over 4,000 DP. But unfortunately in the final game, I misplayed this strategy, gave the opponent too much memory and they actually digivolved up into a lot of level 4s. They got out of that 4,000 DP range because their level 4s had 5,000, 6,000 DP. I couldn't destroy them with the Volcanic Dramon, and they just overwhelmed me. If you want to play Rookie Rush, I would recommend you look at this kind of build because this particular build seemed very good, seemed very strong. And I just want to give a shout out to the player of this deck because there was a really fun conversation we had. We sort of got to banter a little bit, which is really good because the deck itself doesn't have a lot of interaction, which could have made it a bit sort of boring to play against, but the player themselves sort of um, offset that by being a pleasant person to talk to. So that was really good. And then we come to round four. Now in round four, I played against a purple deck and this deck performed very, very well. I was able to take the first game but unfortunately I ended up losing 1-2 to two because um, I think I took the first game because the player hadn't played against a red deck yet and they weren't quite sure what to expect. But after they dropped that first game, they were able to really take control of the match from there. Uh, this deck 
was very controlling. It had plenty of removal to keep my best Digimon off the board. It had Millenniummon and Chimeramon, and both of those cards had removal effects, and they came in really clutch from the deck. It removed my best attackers. The deck kept me on the defensive the whole match, and that's really not where my deck wants to be. I call it the aggressive red deck because it wants to be sort of on the offensive, on the attack, and the fact that this deck kind of put me on the defensive, put me on response, really sort of um, ruined my flow and really enabled this purple deck to get over the top of me. Uh, it also splashed in Magnadramon as a tech card. Magnadramon being a yellow level 6 with 10,000 DP, costs 3 to Digivolve, 11 to play, and the on-play effect there is that it triggers Recovery plus 2, which is putting the top 2 cards of your deck into your security, getting more security back. So the Magnadramon really saved this purple deck a couple of times. I really just put it up out of reach of my attackers when I was starting to get the ball rolling. Uh, the other really great card that this purple deck played, it made really good use of Piedmon. Piedmon has an on-play effect that brings two level fours back from the trash onto the field. Um, they really used it to single-handedly win the game for the deck in the third game because it brought back a key blocker, stopped my offensive, and then from there they were able to easily overpower me. Uh, this player actually won the whole tournament on Saturday with this same deck list, so I'm not really complaining that they beat me. They were clearly the better player. I was outplayed the whole match. This was also the match where I probably made my most egregious misplays, I think. At one point, I had a really thin hand, only one or two cards, and I played out my hand, leaving myself with nothing in hand. I was really hoping to get a broad attack in order to close the game out, but the opponent was able to respond with some blockers, and my level threes couldn't get over the blockers. My top deck, which is the card that you draw from the top of your deck when you have nothing else that you can do, uh, it just wasn't useful, it wasn't an answer, and I really feel that this was the moment where I threw the game away, because if I did it again, I would have saved a level 3, digivolved on the next turn, hopefully gotten sort of a draw chain going, and maybe been able to come up with an answer, but I just left myself with nowhere to go. And so that was probably my biggest misplay of the day, unfortunately, and definitely the biggest lesson I learnt from the day, I think. This... Of the matches that I played, this is the match that I would most want to play again when I feel I've gotten better as a player. This is the one where I really think that if I was a better player, if I had more experience under my belt, I could have taken it. And then, the last round of the day, round 5. Now, I performed really poorly in the middle of the tournament, and because it was a Swiss format, as we said, you are matched with people according to your performance. Um, my poor performance tanked my score, and I got matched with a player who was quite down in the rankings, like myself. And they were a very, very new player. They were playing a big green beaters deck, which sort of seemed to be trying to get big level 6s onto the field and just beating down the opponent. And I'll have to say, it wasn't a very challenging matchup. This player misplayed a little bit. My red deck was clearly constructed to be more competitive than their deck, and I won the match 2-0. to zero. But of the matches I played... This was probably my most enjoyable match. Now the player, as I said, they had never played a trading card game before, before they picked up the Digimon card game. This person was a huge fan of Digimon. They said they'd played all the video games, they'd watched all the incarnations of the anime, watched all the films, and we had a really great discussion about our favorite seasons of the Digimon show. Uh, they gave me some recommendations for Digimon video games to play, and it wasn't really a highly competitive match, but this player was really 
clearly passionate about Digimon. They were loving the new card game because it captured all their favorite elements of the franchise. And this game inspired them to try something new. They It inspired them to pick up a trading card game. It inspired them to participate in a global tournament for a trading card game when they had never played a card game before, which is just amazing. So this was a really nice match to end the day on. And on the back of my two straight losses... Um, This match really reminded me what the game is all about. It's a fun way to meet new people, to learn new things, to stretch yourself, to challenge yourself in many different ways. So really big thanks to the player who I played in my last round. Unfortunately, I don't remember their name. But if you were the person who played me in round five, thank you very, very much because it was a really nice way to end the day. And I hope you enjoyed yourself as much as I did. And then with that... We come to the end of the tournament. As I said earlier, I came in 24th overall, which was just out of the top 50%, and I completely didn't reach my goal of getting into the top 16, but overall the day was really, really fun. Everyone was really extremely courteous, really fun to play against, and everyone was really clearly having a blast with the game. So I'm really pleased that I got to participate in this event. It's definitely an experience I'm going to look back on and remember fondly. No matter what the ultimate fate of this game is, this is something that I'm going to hold on to. And then finally, before we end the episode, I wanted to go over my predictions from last week's episode. Uh, I predicted the decks that I thought we'd see a lot of and the decks that I thought would do well. And I want to see how my predictions matched up with what we actually saw over the weekend. So... Last week, I briefly profiled four decks that not only did I expect to see a lot of over the weekend, but that I expected to perform fairly well. So that was Omnimon Blue, Omnimon Red, the the Purple deck, and Rookie Rush. Looking at the tournament results, I think that we can safely say that Omnimon Blue was a strong presence. When you look at different regional results, Omnimon frequently topped the regional results and appears multiple times in top 8s and top 16. So Omnimon Blue was a clear presence, definitely did well. I don't think that surprised anybody. It was a clear favourite going into the day, and it just further cemented the fact that that is just a really, really good deck in 1.0. Rookie Rush, as I suggested in last week's episode, did fairly well, but I haven't yet, and I'll admit I haven't seen all the rankings, unfortunately. It's kind of hard to see them all from all the different regions. But I haven't yet seen a ranking where the Rookie Rush deck won the region, won the day. It seems that I was pretty right in saying that everyone was sufficiently prepared for it, was looking out for it, were already thinking going into the day, how do I combat this strategy? And they really stopped it from kind of overperforming on the weekend. It would have taken out a few matches, like it beat me, but people were just on the whole really too ready for it, for it really to take off. I also saw a fair amount of purple on the weekend, and speaking to other players, they played against a lot of purple on the weekend if they weren't themselves playing purple, and I believe that the deck that topped the Oceania Saturday regional, so the regional tournament on the Saturday in Oceania, I believe that was a purple deck, so I feel pretty vindicated in saying that purple was going to do really well. Uh, That wasn't really a tough guess because Purple plays with the discard pile and it can be very controlling and it's got a lot of removal. And those are play patterns that higher tier players tend to gravitate towards in their games. So it wasn't a really sort of out there guess to say Purple's going to do really well because better players do tend towards those play patterns that Purple does really, really well. But finally, one deck that I did not notice much of, did not see much of, was Omnimon Red. I talked to a lot of people who said I was the only red deck they played that day. 
There were definitely red Omnimon decks being played, and we have seen a couple of them in some of the standings, but I think overall, red on the day tended towards War Greymon, tended towards Gallantmon rather than Omnimon. So that was an oversight on my part. I feel that if I'd really thought about it a bit more, I probably could have guessed that that was what was going to happen. So I feel really confident in saying I got that wrong. Mia culpa. It seems that those people who wanted to play Omnimon actually trended blue rather than red. So if you were ready to play against an Omnimon red deck on the day, I'm sorry that I sort of misled you on that one. That's my fault. And then one surprise, at least for me, uh, was the prevalence of yellow on the weekend. Um, Pre-tournament, I feel that yellow was widely regarded as missing, as we've said, too many of its key pieces in 1.0 to really be viable as a top-tier deck. But it seems like people are really drawn to the colour. The first yellow deck I played against, they said that it just had all their favourite Digimon in it. Um, it's got a lot of fan favourite Digimon, like the Panamon line, which goes into Andromon. And so it was definitely played a lot more than I expected. And I also feel that some people played it because it was meant to not be very good. They were kind of looking for a challenge. They wanted to see how well they could do with a colour no one thought was good. And that definitely has its sort of people who tend to do that as well. I'm often one of those people, in fact. Uh, two of my five matches were yellow decks, and uh, two more decks used yellow cards as tech in their decks. So it's clear that yellow has some strong effects and has people who are really passionate about it. So that was something I did not expect, but coming out of the weekend, it's kind of like a hindsight is twenty twenty. Oh yeah, that's actually kind of obvious. So that's another one I feel with a bit more thought I probably could have guessed, but maybe not. Maybe that's only something that's obvious in hindsight. And then, finally, um, this wasn't really mentioned last week, but very early on, um, if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen that I thought that the black blocker-based deck would have a surprisingly strong showing in the 1.0 meta. That was kind of my outside guess, my sort of high-risk statement. And I feel moderately vindicated on that call, because I think that black blockers tended to be a strong matchup against yellow, and a strong matchup against Rookie Rush. And as we saw, those were two very popular decks on the weekend. And so the people who played black tended to do moderately well, just because they had a good matchup against two of the more popular decks. And I have noticed some black decks popping up in top 16 results. So it definitely wasn't a runaway sleeper hit, but it did about as well as I thought it would, which is to say better than maybe most people thought that it would. So what can we take away from the weekend? Um, firstly, I think that we can safely say that the 1.0 meta is in a pretty healthy place. Even the, oh my god, I'm so sick of hearing about it, quote unquote, best deck, Blue Omnimon, didn't win every event. And we got fairly equal representation among the top decks from many different colors, many different strategies. So it seems like every color in 1.0 has a chance of winning, however small, if the deck is built and played with care and thought. And secondly, I think that we can allay any fears that we might have had about the viability of Digimon as a competitive experience. There was a lot of depth of strategy in the matches I played. There was a lot of thought. There was a lot of sort of things to keep people coming back for more. And it's pretty obvious that the passion is there in the player base. Everyone was really excited about this event. And as we've seen online, everyone is really, really passionate to have more big tournaments. So I think that we're going to see a fairly healthy competitive scene for Digimon. And then the final takeaway, at least for me, is that our community is in a very good place. As I've already gushed about, everybody I played on the day and talked to was polite, courteous, passionate, 
clearly having an excellent time. It was a pleasure to participate in the event, not just because the game itself is very fun, which it is, but because the people who were playing made it a great experience. So I want to say thank you again to everyone who participated. I think we represented our community very well. I think we set a good example for people who were newcomers to the trading card game hobby. And I think that no matter what your performance in the standings, everyone should be proud of what we as a collective, as a community accomplished over this weekend. Uh, congratulations to the winners of the weekend. Thank you very much to everybody else who participated. And I want to say a big, big thank you to the organizers of the event and those people who made sure that they ran smoothly on the day. I hope that we're going to see many events of this kind in future because this was a very, very cool experience and one I definitely want to repeat in future. As we head out, my big question to you listeners is if you did participate in this event, how did you do? Please tweet your results, tweet the deck you played using the hashtag Memory Gauge Podcast or post in the Memory Gauge Podcast Facebook group. I'd love to know how the listeners of the Memory Gauge fared over the weekend so we can see how good our listeners are, how well they did. So with that, if you have any questions, feedback, comments or concerns, please tweet at me at ConnorEFMG or email me at memorygagepodcast at gmail.com. I am always happy to hear from you listeners. New episodes come out every week, so please be sure to follow the Memory Gauge Podcast on your podcast service of choice to stay up to date. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out. <laughs>